This is West Virginia Morning. I'm Teresa Wills. Changes to taxes on Social Security may be coming if a bill passes through the legislature. What this new bill would do was would be phase out over three years all personal income taxes on Social Security. That story and more coming up this West Virginia Morning. Support for West Virginia Morning is proudly provided by Luke Frazier. Some Republican lawmakers in West Virginia want to ban transgender youth at risk for self-harm or suicide from assessing medical interventions such as hormone therapy. The GOP-controlled legislature banned such interventions last year while allowing the self-harm and suicide exemption. Now, a group of lawmakers want to eliminate that narrow definition, which requires parental consent and a diagnosis of severe gender dysphoria from two medical professionals. Coming up against a major legislative deadline, lawmakers in the House Health and Human Resources Committee voted Friday to advance a bill or advance a bill to the full chamber that would completely ban interventions like hormone therapy and puberty blockers. State regulators have approved an 8% increase in water and sewer rates for the average customers of the West Virginia American Water Company. That means more than $10 a month. The new rates were effective Saturday. Under its 58-page ruling, the Public Service Commission of West Virginia said the average water bill should increase by $5.69 a month and sewer bills should increase by $5.59 a month. The company filed for a 22.5% increase in rates on May 1st, 2023. That request was a total of more than $41 million. After the commission allocated a portion of sewer costs to the water operations, the water increase rose to $43 million, or 24%. The net effect of the commission's decision released Saturday is to approve a $15 million revenue increase or an 8% increase in rates instead of 24%. The impact on a residential customer using 3,400 gallons of water per month will take the monthly water bill from $71.10 to $76.79. For sewer operations, residential customers using 3,400 gallons of water per month will take the average monthly sewer bill from $69.92 to $75.51. The Senate passed a bill Saturday that would mandate public schools to teach about fentanyl in grades 6 through 12. The bill, known as Lakin's Law, is named after Morgan Lakin, who died from a fentanyl overdose in 2021. It requires students to be taught about fentanyl, heroin, and opioid awareness. It will also include discussions on prevention and abuse, addiction, community resources, substance abuse among young people, and how to administer opioid reversal agents like Narcan.
The instruction will begin in the 2024-2025 school year. Lakin's mother, father, and four-year-old daughter watched from the gallery as the bill was passed in the Senate. The bill passed unanimously in both the Senate and the House of Delegates and now heads back to the House to consider Senate changes. In 1905, a group of black civil rights leaders came together to form the Niagara Movement. Historians describe the group as a precursor to the NAACP. The group was founded in Ontario, Canada, but soon it forged ties with historic Harper's Ferry. Now a new documentary aims to highlight the movement's origins and trajectory. Plus, it's shedding light on lesser-known pieces of West Virginia history. Jack Walker has the story. The historic importance of Harper's Ferry is well known among West Virginians. Driving across the town's cobblestone roads, visitors pass preserved Victorian homes and storefronts shelved with old-time goods. Most visitors know Harper's Ferry as a hub of Civil War history. It was the site of an 1859 abolitionist uprising led by John Brown and Shields Green. But fewer West Virginians know that the town played another seminal role in U.S. history less than 50 years later. That's when a group of black civil rights leaders visited the town's historically black college known as Storer College. They uh, they felt safe to come to a black college and to uh, also what which ties to some of what happened at the meeting, Harpers Ferry being the location of the John Brown raid. That's Scott Faulkner, who co-founded the Friends of Harpers Ferry National Historic Park. The group he's referring to is the Niagara Movement. The Niagara Movement was founded near Niagara Falls in 1905. It advocated for an end to things like sharecropping, segregation, and anti-black violence in the shadow of the U.S. Civil War. It was also made up entirely of black leaders, a rare feat for the time period. Today, the group might be best known as a precursor to the NAACP. Faulkner said the revolutionary history of Harper's Ferry aligned with the group's goals, which were viewed as radical for the time. They saw a link between themselves as a force, a, a basically an aggressive force on behalf of African-American rights. And they, they felt common ground and common uh, philosophy with uh, John Brown and the, and the more radical abolitionists going back into the 1850s. Harper's Ferry allowed civil rights leaders to unite in addressing racial injustice at the turn of the 20th century. Faulkner said that this part of West Virginia history is often overshadowed by the town's Civil War ties. But a documentary released earlier this month might help change that. Raymond Smock is a historian based in West Virginia who previously served as a historian for the U.S. House of Representatives. He contributed to a new documentary called The Niagara Movement, The Early Battle for Civil Rights. He hosted a screening of this film at Shepherd University earlier this month. Welcome, everyone. Thank you all for coming out. This is a nice, full house. The documentary was released through Buffalo, Toronto Public Media earlier this month. The documentary explores how the group was founded and later disbanded, giving way to the NAACP. Now, the film doesn't center on Harper's Ferry alone, but Smock said that it shows the West Virginia town offered a stepping stone for the early civil rights movement. This was an amazing meeting uh, at a very historic spot where John Brown's raid, some say, started the Civil War. And so there was a great interest in holding this meeting. 
Many residents of West Virginia's eastern panhandle are already familiar with the Niagara movement. But Smock said that this familiarity often doesn't extend to other parts of the state, let alone the country. In the immediate vicinity and here in Jefferson County, West Virginia, uh, the, the Harper's Ferry meeting of the Niagara movement is, is pretty well known history. But it's not well known in most other parts of the state or the nation as far as that goes. Both Faulkner and Smock said that they hope the documentary helps people learn more about the Niagara movement and civil rights history. And much of this history can be discovered right in West Virginia at historic Harpers Ferry sites like the Storer College campus and the Storer College Museum. The multi-level Storer College Museum has exhibits dedicated to black history, black education, and the Niagara Movement. For Faulkner, the ability to discover these pieces of American history on a simple walk through town is what makes Harper's Ferry unique. And this again was the philosophical and emotional link between the Niagara Movement in the 20th century and the abolitionist movement, especially the more forceful aspects of the abolitionist movement of the 19th century. So it was a, a, a really important melding of these two threads in American history. The new documentary entitled The Niagara Movement, The Early Battle for Civil Rights can be viewed online for free. For West Virginia Public Broadcasting, I'm Jack Walker in Shepherdstown. To learn more about this documentary, visit our website at wvpublic.org. This is West Virginia Morning. I'm Teresa Wills. It's 7.53. Becoming mostly sunny today, a slight chance of rain in the south, high temperatures in the 60s. Tonight, partly cloudy, lows in the 40s. Tomorrow, rain and thunderstorms with highs in the 60s. Support for WVPB is provided by the West Virginia State Treasurer's Office with a smart 529 program. Recognizing West Virginia's teachers through the Above and Beyond Project. More at WVTreasury.com. Reporter Roundtable in last Friday's episode of the Legislature Today, Chris Schultz spoke with our primary legislative reporters, Randy Yowie and Brianna Haney, to discuss some of the things we've been reporting. Randy, uh, we had an interesting development, something that we've heard about from the very beginning of the session this year, Social Security tax. Um, House Bill 4880, what does that do? Well, they've been trying to do this for three years now. Right now, a couple that makes $100,000 or less does not tax on their Social Security for their personal income tax. What this new bill would do was would be phase out over three years all personal income taxes on Social Security. First the third, then two-thirds. And then I guess 2026 would be 100% gone. This would put, they say, $37 million uh, back into the economy. Right now, there are 40 states that don't tax their people's Social Security and all of our surrounding states. We always hear about what's the contention with our surrounding states. Well, all our surrounding states have gone as well. So there's just 10 of us left, and uh, it seems to have 
good momentum. As a senior who collects Social Security, I mean, it would put three or four grand back in my pocket. My financial advisor says put 10% of that aside. You know, uh, person, people with limited incomes that, that, you know, have even less, it would do more uh, for the economy. AARP is all the way behind it. Yeah, and in a state with an aging population, this is going to be crucial for a lot of West Virginians. Uh, it heads now, if I'm not mistaken, to the Senate, which brings us to uh, Bree. Some of the activity most recently in the Senate, I mean, we're talking about just minutes ago before um, we started recording, the Crown Act. Uh, people who have been following the legislature for several years have probably heard about this. But tell us a little bit about this bill. Yeah, so the Crown Act would um, make it to where... Uh, discriminating against someone's hairstyle would be prohibited in the states um, and would also then be legally kind of wound up in discriminating against someone's race. It's been um, it's it's been in the legislature for the last five years. It hasn't made it to the deadline and then today it got hit with another hurdle that's going to possibly make it a little bit harder for it to make it to this year's deadline to get passed. Yeah, tell me a little bit more about that, because as I understand it, the bill for the first time ever made it to the Senate floor after Senate Judiciary on Thursday evening, and now it's back in the committee. Uh, what's going on there? Yeah, so in Senate Judiciary, there was um, witness testimony, there was emotional testimony, there was expert testimony on um, this bill, and um, a lot of the expert testimony said that this bill would not cost the states any money. However, when it hit the floor today, when it hit the Senate floor today, Senator Eric Tarr moved to have it go to the Finance Committee. Now, what that does is when a bill goes into committee, it kind of slows its momentum a bit, and it could even die in committee. Um, it had already gone through Judiciary Committee. It would have had to pass the Senate on three different days, run three different days, and then a vote, go to the House, same thing, go to the governor's desk. Now it's in committee, so uh, we'll have to wait to see if and when it goes back onto the Senate floor. Senator Tarr, of course, is the chair of the Finance Committee in the Senate, and it's a little unclear at the moment. The bill was read, as uh, Bree said, on the Senate floor this morning, but uh, there's a deadline on Sunday. What's, what's that deadline, Bree? You talk to me about that deadline. Yeah, okay, fair enough. It is, uh, everything has to be out of committee, so it's a little unclear right now whether or not this bill being sent back out of committee, having been read, whether or not that's going to qualify it to move forward in these last two weeks. That was Chris Schultz speaking with Randy Yowie and Brianna Heaney for the legislature today. To hear more of that discussion, visit our website and tune into the legislature today every weeknight evening at 6 p.m. West Virginia Morning is a production of West Virginia Public Broadcasting, which is solely responsible for its content. You can keep up with the latest West Virginia news throughout the day on our website, wvpublic.org. Support for our news bureaus comes from Shepherd University. West Virginia Morning is produced with help from Bill Lynch, Brianna Heaney, Chris Schultz, Curtis Tate, Emily Rice, Eric Douglas, Jack Walker, Liz McCormick, and Randy Yowie. Eric Douglas is our news director, and he produced today's show. I'm your host, Teresa Wills. This is West Virginia Morning.